From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I'm pre-recording from the Telfed offices in Renana. Albert Schweitzer said, Sometimes our light goes out, but is blown into flame by another human being. Each of us owes deepest thanks to those who have kindled this light. Today, I'm talking at the moment to Batya Schmuckler, and who's the chairman of Telfed Renana, and we are discussing, Tal-Fed t- sorry, Telfed Israel, well, sorry about that, and we are discussing how she got involved and also why she got involved. But first of all, I would actually like to thank Peter Bailey, he's the chairman of the Telfed Events Committee, for putting this together, this interview together. And also to say that I got quite a few comments last week about uh, the podcast that I sent through. I never realized how clearly my little granddaughter squeaks and sounds would be heard, but they were heard and everyone actually said they enjoyed it. Today you might hear a phone's ringing in the office next door, but otherwise no baby noises. Right. Hello, Batya. How Hi. are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. you? So good to actually meet you. And we've been catching up on a, on a bit of uh, connections here. And I actually wanted to find out from you, when did you make Alia? I made Alia 26 years ago, straight after finishing my degree at WITS. What was your degree? Good, uh, audio. Yeah. It sounds good. Okay. And mm-hmm. you're not, you, did you use that at all when you came? Well, they don't need a Hebrew teacher with a South African accent here in Israel. Yeah. So I requalified as an English teacher. Oh, did you? Uh, and then did you work as a teacher? So that's my profession. I still work as a teacher. So you work as a teacher and you're also chairman of Telfed Israel. How do you actually juggle your time? It's a big juggle. Um, it's a volunteer position, so I can come and go as I need. It is very challenging, but very re- rewarding. I really feel that Telford is an incredible organization, and I'm very excited to be here. Um, it's, there's a nice young vibe now, and uh, times are changing, and it's a challenge, but it's good. And when you first came here, who actually helped you in your earlier? I came in a Garin earlier from Beitar. And uh, that helped me in terms of my Aliyah. I actually didn't even make Aliyah through Telford. I only got involved in Telford about 10 years ago. So we kind of made it on our own. We did a five-month pun, and then we decided to stay. Who's we? Uh, my husband now. He was my boyfriend at the time. Right. Um, and 18 friends. So it was a much easier way to make Aliyah. Did you come for any special reason? We were always brought up in a very Zionistic home. Uh, very pro-Israel. We knew eventually we would land up here. Um, I was the pioneer, and um, we knew this was going to be our home, and I'm very grateful to say that my whole family now lives here, my parents, my sisters. Do you feel that you have to, it actually helps if you've got a vision, a Zionistic vision about Israel. Do you find it helps you integrate better? Definitely. Um, It's not enough to have a push factor um, to leave a country, I think believing that Israel is the place for the Jewish people is a very important aspect of anyone making Aliyah. If you want to be here, it makes life that much easier. Do you find you make more excuses for people's behavior then? 
I've come to embrace everything, as challenging as it is. <laughs> I do make excuses, but I love it and I wouldn't change it for the world. That's wonderful. Now tell me what your, your actual position entails. Um, a lot of it is a meeting with people and there's a lot of paperwork behind the scenes to run the organization. Uh, Telford has many facets. It's not only helping with people making Aliyah. Um, our focus has changed also to the community that now lives in Israel. We like Telford to be thought of as the mother body of all Southern Africans living in Israel. Only South Africans or Australians or anyone else? We've now taken on the Australian Aliyah and the Dutch Aliyah. Oh, yes. We have the language slightly. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Is there quite a big Dutch Aliyah? Not too big. But we do. They don't have a proper infrastructure, and we help with we help with the alia. And you found that they actually come to you readily. Do, yes, do they we hear have an about alia you? Person in the office once a week, and they do hear about us. And they're told on the other side that if they need any help, that we are the place to turn to. And what about the Australians? How many of them come? Do they come to, as a group? Or individually? They don't come as a group, they come individually. About 230, 250 Australians come a year, mm. wow. of which about 30 to 40% are ex-South African. Is that so? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And do they all mix well, do you find? We try and encourage as many community events to try and get people to mix, but people also like to integrate. So we try and have a forum for people to meet, but if they don't want it, we won't force it. But you actually offer it. Yes, we try and have regional committee. This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I'm at the Telfed offices, and I'm talking to Batya Schmuckler, and we are actually discussing her role in Telfed and also about the different groups of Alia. Just, I know that you used to have big groups arriving at once. Do you still have that? No, we don't. We don't have proper organized groups, but we do have a man that meets every Ole at the airport whenever they come. That's amazing. So they get in touch with you first, and then that you know the dates that they're going to arrive? Yes, and he helps at the airport with the processing, with the Tudatsuhut, and as much as possible. Do you just tell me what that is in English? <laughs> so he helps to get the ID documentation and registration and try and help with whatever direction you need uh, in terms of making Aliyah or coming to live here. That's actually fantastic to think about it because I saw a group, but I think it was Nefesh Benefesh, um, that arrived, the Indian group coming from India. Yes, Nefesh Benefesh normally deals with the American and, and English Aliyah. Okay, then so perhaps it wasn't them. But it was the most exciting. It was a YouTube yes. of all these people arriving in Israel and dancing. There was there was drumming and now, you know, really exciting. You used to do that. What made you stop doing that? Um, the need is different. Uh, people haven't, start, haven't been organizing groups for a long time to come together. There is something to be said to come in a group because I think the support would be great. But our numbers are not so huge. Mm-hmm. So if if it warranted, we'd be happy to to welcome a group, but at the moment there's no need for that. And now, with you being chairman of Telfed Israel, do you then go to all the different to Jerusalem to Tel Aviv? Do you go all over the place? I do. So how do you fit that in with your workload? Like I say it's a juggle. <laughs> and your children? <laughs> a, everybody's come to a good understanding. My husband's very supportive of it as well. Um, and I try and go wherever I can and fit in as much as I can. Um, I can't always be everywhere all the time, but we've got representatives all over the country. 
So that helps. I don't have to do everything all the time. That does help. And um, I, I came on a teal a few months ago um, to um, Kibbutz Yohanan, and I actually loved the feel of, of everyone chatting together when the, we were waiting for the buses to arrive. There was such excitement and connection that there was that sense of belonging, which was very important, I think, when you come to a new country. And I was very impressed when I recognized what the feeling was there. Absolutely. I think there's something very special about the South African community in general also. So even coming on Aliyah to a foreign country, the South Africans seem to connect with each other and help each other as much as possible and try and give as much support. So like this teal thing, you're in a foreign country, but you're learning about our country, yeah. but you're also with people that came from the same place as you. And like-minded people, right, really. Exactly. And it was quite amazing, actually, the connections that, even as you and I were talking just now, the connections, uh, who you were at school with and uh, within my family, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's what I, I recognized there as well. And I think that, that also the other thing that I did notice was that many South Africans were very involved in different spheres in Israel. In Beit Shalom and um, um, Beit Protea, not Shalom. Yeah. Um, Izzy Shapiro is also one of them. We have major businessmen involved in, in a lot of projects, and they are ex-South African. And do you encourage that? Do, they, do you actually ask if there's anyone to fill positions, or what happens? We do have a, a connection with different companies. We have tried to establish a mentorship program where people who have been successful in different areas can take on South Africans that are looking to make Aliyah or have already made Aliyah and help them find positions and jobs and and just to give advice. And I know that you yourself do this voluntarily. Yeah. Um, Where does Telfed actually get their finances from, their financing from? So we have a few different ways of getting financing. We obviously do some fundraising, which is very important. Uh, because we have an amazing scholarship program that we give 400 scholarships a year to Southern Africans. It's a fantastic, fantastic program where people who have left trust funds um, and we are able to use the funds from there. We do have three buildings in, in Israel, which we use the rental from those buildings to help with assistances. Um, so the income comes from there as well. And donations... Those, the buildings that you actually have, were so they were bought by donors? It's people with a lot of foresight many oh. years ago. Oh, is yes, that With so. wonderful foresight. And in those buildings, are they um, apartments or what are they? They are all apartments. And do you sometimes put students into them or how does it work? Well, we use the rental from those apartments to to support other things within Telford. So... It is rent. There is a rental subsidy, but it is it's about twenty percent less than market value. Um, so it's a bit difficult sometimes for students to pay that kind of rent. We do have scholarship programs for students, so on that on on that side we help the students financially that way. But the, the apartments are more for families. Oh, okay. So they at least they've got that to to help them because I think it's a huge adjustment coming, especially if they're coming from South Africa where our rand is, is four to, to one shekel. I mean, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. It really is terrifying. But the buildings in general are amazing because you have a very social atmosphere. It's like kind of like a kibbutz. Everybody's South African. If you need anything, we all speak the same language. And it's, it's a big help when you make Aliyah, when you come and live in Israel. 
to start off like that really makes a big difference. Absolutely. I agree. We're going to be listening to Rabbi um, Twersky on giving. And in, in his YouTube, he'll actually discuss about what giving is. And he talks about a fish. And it's not about, you know, you say, um, uh, I love fish, and then you eat them. So it's a very different sort of giving. What does it mean to you in your life, this type of giving? Um, what? I think it's important. I was always brought up in a family that was very community oriented, and, um, and in what way were they community oriented? Welcoming. Our house was always welcoming to to people we'd never met. We we, we welcomed people who needed help. Um, I learned a lot from my parents growing up in South Africa, being involved in a youth movement. I think it's very important. I've encouraged my children as well to give back to community to the community, not only to take. And I think in, in general, the more you give, the more you get back in terms of the, the, your personal growth. Mm. And um, I enjoy it. It's something, there's something special about the South African community also. So I love being part of Telford, being the South African Zionist Federation here in Israel. So, so it's a great purpose in your life, isn't it, for you? Great purpose, which takes up a lot of time. Oh, I'm sure. It's very rewarding. <laughs> and teaching, you, you, you said that you qualified as a Hebrew teacher, and here you had to re-qualify as an English teacher, is that right? Right. <laughs> so where, well, what school are you teaching at, an English-speaking school? Or? No, I, I started off, um, only, I taught for one year in a school. Um, it's completely different to anything that we know. Um, the discipline is completely different. The whole outlook is very different. And um, after the first year, I, I fell pregnant with my son, and I've been teaching privately ever since. Oh, private lessons. Yeah, uh, but there's a huge demand for that. But in general, the school system is very different to what we know in South Africa. I remember I had a teacher at King David, and only when he passed away did I realize that his first name was Moshe. Oh, is that so? Yes, uh, it was his name was Dr. Yagil. Yes, I'm sure many absolutely. of the listeners who remember Dr. Yagil very, very and very fondly. well and very fondly. Right, absolutely. and when he passed away, I said his name was Moshe. That's really weird because in Israel, everybody's been called by the first name, including the principal of the school. So there's kind of less of a distance between the students mm -hmm. and and the teachers, for good or for bad. Do you think it is for good? Not necessarily. I think the discipline is a challenge. Mm. Um, I think it's necessary to have some kind of a distance. It's good to be friends, but you don't have to be very good friends. And I think that there should be a distance. So, and so that for you, you've also got a challenge that your children have had to go to the army and you've got some finishing now and going into the army. Um, how, how is that for you? I'm incredibly proud of them. I'm very, very proud of them. There was never even a question whether they would go to the army or not. Um, they did grow up in a religious home, so Shurut Lomi, for example, for my girls was also an option. But they were very motivated to go to the army and to serve a meaningful service. My son was in communications, my daughter was in the Navy on the Gaza border. Uh -huh. And um, it was a challenge for me also. It, um, it was a very scary time. My son was in when it was Tukaitan. Uh, it was a very big, challenging, scary time, but I'm incredibly proud of them for going through that and coming out much stronger on the other side. I'm sure, but it's quite an adjustment. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. 
This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I'm at the Telfed offices talking to Batja Schmuckler, and she is a, a young, very beautiful woman sitting next to me here who has achieved a lot in this incredible land, Israel. And, you know, we were talking just now about there being, it's, it's much easier if you are Zionistic in your approach to it. And I have found this, Batya, to tell you the truth. We're going back to Batya and I chatting about the Zionistic part. Um, I found on one Shabbos, I got really irritated. I was doing shopping. It was a Friday. I was trying to do shopping for, for Shabbos. And I was being shoved around like anything. Until I actually learned to use my own elbows <laughs> and shove back, you know. And then the following Friday, and I was really pretty fed up about it all. The following Friday, my husband was here and we were walking down the street and he said, you know, you really have to be Zionistic to actually accept the differences because there are major differences between South Africa and the Israelis. And it's to, to actually be tolerant of each other is to, to be Zionistic, I believe. What do you think? I agree. I think the, the minute you make the, the switch and understand that it's a different mentality, doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong or right. Maybe our way, maybe too polite. Uh, once you embrace it, then it becomes less of an issue. My daughter told me I was saying sorry and please and excuse me far too often. She said, use your elbows, <laughs> which is what I then did. You know, there's a lovely story that Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs tells about a young boy in 1966, I think he writes about it himself, this young person. And he, um, they moved, he was a young black boy, and he moved with his family to a white neighborhood. And he and his sisters were sitting on the stairs, steps outside their apartment, and everyone just ignored them. And he felt really isolated and alone and he thought this is not a good move at all we'll never be accepted here and he was very sad just then a woman opposite um, had obviously been out for the day came back saw the children sitting on the steps and waved at them and said welcome anyway she then went into her apartment and a bit later she came out with some jelly sandwiches and some cold drinks and she came over to chat to them and to give them to to this to these children and he said that gesture of kindness changed his life he went on to become a law professor wow. he wrote a book called civility and this book he said is actually about chesed and he said there was no it was no uh, coincident that the coincidence that this woman's name was sarah kirstenbaum as far as i remember and that she was a religious Jew because he said Jewish philosophy is very much about chesed and reaching out to others not just to our own but to, to other people as well so Telford actually does that as well we don't only look after the South African community we have something called Teki which is the Telford Ethiopian Community Initiative also Oh yes. so we reach out to the Ethiopian community as well we have an English teaching program we established a second-hand shop in Mavaseretion. Unfortunately, they had, they had to close when the Merkaslita closed in Mavaseretion. Well, what is that? Just for, for everyone listening in who doesn't understand what uh, you're so saying? There was an absorption center in a place near Jerusalem called Mavaseretion. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a lot of Ethiopians living at that absorption center. And so we got people to donate mm -hmm. clothes 
from all over the country and basically opened up a second-hand store where they could benefit from the profits of the store and also benefit from the clothes and try and learn a little bit about being business-like. And um, did you find that was successful? Um, it was quite successful, not as successful as we would have liked it to have been. Um, there's a different mentality in trying to teach people how to, to, to do things in a different way. Mm. But we try and reach out to as many communities as possible. Even within our scholarship program, we give scholarships to Ethiopian students studying uh, medicine or nursing so that they can also develop the way they should be and be given a, ch a chance. Not only and give back to the society exactly. that's taken them in. Absolutely. Mm. And do you find that they do actually begin to integrate once they go to university? Do they start integrating with the other Israelis or other I think once they're people? a second generation or third generation, yes. But it must be but very they, difficult. It's very first. difficult and mm. they need to be given a chance. Mm. They really do need to be given a chance. We also have an amazing program called PRAS where students study at university and in return for a scholarship, they're going to people's houses and help for three hours a week. There also, the South Africans reach out to the wider Israeli community. One side has to be South African. So either the student studying or the family getting the help. Oh, okay. And it's the most wonderful program because everybody benefits from it. I actually read about it and it said it was almost like a big brother program. Exactly. That they go in and they're, they're certainly not there. They occasionally do homework apparently. Yes. But otherwise they're there to, to help the youngsters integrate the younger Right, it's youngsters, it's also people with special needs or elderly people who would possibly need help even with a computer, some companionship. It's the most wonderful program because you teach people to appreciate to give. We even had a wonderful story of a student going into a family and the family was Israeli, the, the student is South African and the family took so well to this kid that they took him in for Pesach. And it's a very special program. And do you find that they actually go back to the same families again and again? Or, or what happens? Do you encourage that or do you encourage them to move around? It depends. If the connection is really good, then we do encourage them to stay. As long as they're studying, they can, can, can do the program. Uh, but we found that even after the program finishes, people keep in contact. And it makes a very big difference in everybody's lives, both the students and the family getting the help. I'm sure it does. And I read one comment, which was quite amusing, because this woman said um, that she actually thought that they were going to come in and do the homework for their children. And instead, they just played with the children. And then the comment from Telfed was that actually, you know, they're not there to, to do the homework necessarily. They're there to make them feel it, the children make, to make them feel welcome and at home. Exactly. The students studying don't have a degree yet. They're not teachers and they're not tutors, and we make that very clear from the outset. The whole idea is to help the, the younger kids or even the older kids. We have 16-, 17-year-olds also having a hard time integrating, learning the language, learning the area, the, the community. So. so this is someone who's been through the same challenges and can actually help them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you actually find that, how long has this been going? Do you find it is successful? It's incredibly successful. We started it about 15 years ago with only a handful of students. We started off with five or six students, then 10 students. When I became head of the scholarships and endowments, I remember going to Tel Aviv University and speaking to the students, and there were about 
25 students at the time, and now we've grown it to 150 students, and looking to expand it to 180 students. That's amazing. Now, those students, is it compulsory for them, or, or do they volunteer to do it? Well, they get a scholarship in return for the three hours a week that they volunteer. Well, volunteer, they do get money for it. Right. Um, but they volunteer. They volunteer. So you don't go and handpick them. We do go and handpick them because we take responsibility for the students and for the families. Mm. When you send somebody into someone else's home, you want to make sure that both sides are safe. Absolutely. So we do handpick them. They have to come into the office for an interview before they get accepted. Um, you have to be a specific kind of person. And uh, the same with the families. We try and make sure that the families are normal, adjusted families. Um, we have interviews with them as well so that um, there's no unpleasant incident. Mm -hmm. So how would it work if for a, a special needs uh, child? How, how would they, what, what would their needs be? Can you just give me an example? Sure. Um, the family would have to apply for a press student. Um, sometimes it's, it's very pressurizing to have a special needs child at home and it's very, very time consuming. So the press student comes in, takes the child for a walk, can take them to a movie. There's some, we, we try and encourage them to do social activities out of the house a little bit um, and just play with the kid and just get to know them. Mm -hmm. And I think that the press student benefits sometimes even more than the, the, than the special needs child. I can really understand that because I, I know in my own life, uh, doing a lot of volunteer work, that I have really been one of the receivers of of the bounty of volunteer work, quite honestly. It's not just the people receiving my assistance, it's what I get back as well. It's very much a two-way street, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You grow as a person. Mm. Mm. And I think that's what gives it meaning. Absolutely. This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I'm going to be interviewing some other people. Now, who am I going to be seeing, um, Bacha, do you know? Sure. There are three other people within the, in the office. Ariela is our social worker, and she'll tell you some stories about the social work that she does with the South African community. Daniela gives um, advice on making Aliyah, and people can contact her from South Africa also if they have any advice that they want to know about the process of making Aliyah. And Simon is in our scholarships department and will probably talk uh, more about the programs that we have. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Thanks so much, Bacha, for giving me this time. I know that Thank you. it is, I mean, I, I know that you were hoping that Doron would be here as well to share it with you. But actually, I've really just been enjoyed being with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I am now with Ariella and Daniela. Ariella is a social worker at Telfed here, and um, Daniela is works with Alia and Klita programs, and they are both going to be telling me how they got involved and what it means to them, and also hopefully a few little personal stories of the meaning and purpose of this work. Thanks so much for being with me and for giving me this time. I really appreciate it. Right, Ariella, tell me about yourself. So, hello. I'm Ariella, the social worker at Telfed uh, since two years ago. Um, 
I mean, working as a social worker is really meaningful to me because it's it means you know touching people's lives and being able to help them out throughout this uh, process of making Aliyah, making Aliyah or just um, uh, going through immigration is a very difficult um, process. It's it's a crisis. Um, and Absolute people, transition, isn't it? Absolutely. From one life to another. In all life aspects, uh, employment-wise, social life, um, marital status, um, children, family, everything changes. The whole world is turning upside down. And... Um, you know, sometimes you have expectations of what will happen when you make Aliyah in Israel, and it's not happening the way you thought it will be. Um, so um, it's it's sometimes even like um, a fantasy that just um, collides the reality. Um, and in this transition, uh, I think our responsibility at Telfed, especially um, my position, is to help out people as much as, as possible. First of all, preparing them as much as possible before making Aliyah, and this is a very important point that both um, me as a social worker and Daniela, uh, Aliyah and Klita advisor, we want to emphasize that preparing yourself, uh, preparing oneself with, in terms of, of family, employment, financial uh, issues, all the expectations is very, very important to uh, make a successful and smooth Aliyah process. Um, a lot of times, um, families and people who, uh, potential Olim, who wants to make Aliyah, they come on a pilot trip before making Aliyah. They get in touch with us, and they sit with us, and we try to give them the whole reality check about how is it to live here in Israel, what to expect, what kind of, of um, transitions, um, challenges they're going to face. And um, I think that the most important thing is to prepare yourself, to prepare oneself as much as you can make, like, do your homework before, and, and then you are better prepared. But even then, the reality is not always no. what you thought you'd prepared for. I think a lot of times, 90% of the, of, of, the, of the cases, it's far different than what you expected, what you bargained for when you thought of, of making Aliyah. Do you find that sometimes in a family, for instance, a family situation, that some people settle and some don't. Some people want to go back to South Africa, wherever Definitely. they've come from, and others want to stay. And that must cause a lot of um, friction in the home. Definitely. Do you have Definitely. to often work with that? Definitely. Definitely. A lot of times, um, if sometimes, you know, both, when we're talking about a family and we have uh, the father and the mother, and they're not sometimes on the same page, mm -hmm. in terms of, of even adjusting, um, as I said before, employment is a very uh, important key to find. Uh, if you find an employment that you can, you can, you can handle yourself, you can manage. But in order for you to find employment, you have to have Hebrew. 
you have to understand the reality, you have to understand the mentality and the culture, the Israeli culture, is a lot different than the South African. Back to now we're talking about that, actually, how different it is, and how you often have to have a Zionistic approach to coming here in order to, for it to be a successful transition. I think you have to have determination. If you have determination, and if you have a positive, um, proactive attitude, then you're more likely to succeed. I like that, the proactive The proactive, part. I mean, a lot of times um, when you come to Israel, you have to find yourself like the Israeli uh, type of guy or person that, you know, like pushes their <laughs> elbows and, and try to make things happen instead of just waiting things to happen to you. You have to be very in charge, you know, to hold the reins, and to go, you know, to search for, to search for employment, to uh, study Hebrew, it's not easy a lot of times. It depends on the, you know, the age, the status, everything is, is, is different. But if you have the Hebrew, and if you have the determination, and if you insist, you know, in blending in and adjusting, then you're more likely to succeed. I a lot think of that's times in life too, isn't it? Definitely. In all in all yeah. aspects of our lives. Definitely. Mm. And it changes from one person to the other. Sometimes the, the husband is doing better than the wife and you know, and sometimes and one child wants to go home. Exactly. Is depending on the age, you know, they, they have close friendships in teenage yeah. years especially. And it's often very difficult for them. Now, Daniela, tell me about Alia. How how do you actually help people? Well, the thing is, though, um, I'm an Ola Chadasha myself. I made Alia 12 years ago from Holland um, via... Uh, I was born and raised in Holland, but I, I lived in New York uh, for almost four years. I made Aliyah directly from New York. Um, and I've had my sh- fair share of challenges as, as well. And I understand, uh, I understand what it feels like. I understand how um, helpful it is and how important it is to be able to turn to someone who understands where you're coming from, who understands the challenges you have, and who can give you information and guidance in your own language. And so that's something that, um, that's really important to me. This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. I am pre-recording from the Telfed offices, and right now I'm talking to Ariella, the social worker, and Daniela, who is in charge of the Alia and the Kita programs, and Daniela is telling me about uh, the, the, her own transition to, to Israeli society from Holland and how difficult it was and that that's one of the reasons why she got involved because she understands. Go on, sorry, Daniela. Um, I also agree with uh, Ariella that one of the, the three very key um, uh, um, points to, to being successful. One is, um, is to come prepared, um, to make sure you understand uh, uh, how the process works, what documents you need, uh, savings, that you need to have a plan, uh, that you have to be um, uh, equipped with the information, that you need realistic expectations. Will you be able to uh, find a job in your field? How long will it take? 
um, you know, uh, the cost of living here, all those kind of things, and the commitment to succeed, that you have to be, as Ariella said, proactive. It's not going to come to you. You have to uh, uh, make it happen. And to... Um, uh, know that it's going to be challenging, especially in the first year, uh, but to just, you know, you have to uh, um, uh, work hard uh, in order to succeed. And we're here along the way to, whether it's to, to uh, guide you, give you information, uh, um, connect you to other people who can help you, um, or even, you know, if you just want to vent. <laughs> so it's absolutely amazing. I actually saw that the mission is to promote quality of life of South Africa and Israel and to be supportive, uh, supporting their participation and their contribution to Israeli society. Do you find that quite a few of them who make Aliyah do actually want to contribute to the society? Absolutely. And oftentimes uh, um, we have Olim Chadashim who end up uh, being volunteers for us who want to help uh, other newcomers um, in whatever way they can, whether it's to give them information about the, the community they, they decided to live in, whether it's to, to um, uh, help them uh, um, find employment uh, um, and, and all different, uh, different kind of aspects. Just uh, They want to give back. So what does this work mean to you? It's just, uh, it's just amazing uh, being able to help people and, um, and, and help them become happy and successful because that's the most important thing. Do you keep in contact with them afterwards? Yes, and also uh, we, uh, we regularly also create events for Ulim uh, to come and, uh, and uh, get important information and enjoy themselves. And so we, reg- we have a database where uh, we keep in touch with people regularly. Um, uh, we also encourage them to keep in touch with us. We tell them that it doesn't matter if you've been here for one month or one year or ten years. You're always welcome to, to get all, any kind of uh, help and guidance that we can give them. I actually noticed the connection of, of different people who had made Aliyah when I went on a Tiyul a few months ago to Kibbutz Yohanan. Mm-hmm. And I, I was saying to Bacha, I love the feeling, actually, of everyone so excited to, to see each other and meet with Feel each of other. Community. Absolutely, and belonging. Mm-hmm. That sense of belonging, which is a human need to belong. And I think that's one of the major things about immigration is that feeling, are we going to be leaving that sense of belonging and community behind? You know that we have a lot of volunteers throughout the country. We have like 24 um, regional, committees. regional committees throughout the cities. And we have uh, a lot of volunteers who get in touch with new early newcomers to help them out, you know, with the local issues. If they come to Tel Aviv, then we have a young uh, Ole, a Vatik Ole, who will be in touch with this newcomer, and that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And these people can also introduce them to other people, especially when they come and they make Aliyah on their own. Uh, it's good to already get some initial contacts, so you already know some people, and uh, and also some of our volunteers right. also organize events locally for for uh, the Olim who live there, and so you already are part of a community once you arrive. And it's exactly what you actually said, Ariella, about being proactive. Because mm-hmm. it's not sitting back waiting for it to happen to you. It's realizing that you have a responsibility here and a choice to make. Definitely. Do you want to actually become part of this society or do you choose not to? Exactly. If you want to be a part, then you have to learn the, the, the language. You have to learn 
the culture, the jests. Uh, otherwise, you'll be all alone and miserable. And an alien in, in a land that Definitely. could be your own land. And I think there's nothing worse. Tell me a, a personal story, if mm-hmm. you can, about somebody that you actually feel Telfed really did work, work for and how, as a social worker, you helped them. Changing names, um, obviously. Yeah, sure, definitely. <laughs> I think we help a lot of, of individuals and families throughout the years. Um, I thought of maybe um, a story or two that is like a good, um, happy ending or a success story. Um, for instance, a family who made Aliyah um, four years ago and uh, were able to uh, find an apartment at the Telfit uh, building. Um, and then, and they found a job each, you know, the husband and the wife, everything was okay for a few years. And then suddenly um, the husband had cancer, uh, cancer in his, in his head, in his brain, and he subsequently couldn't work anymore. Uh, it was like a devastating, of course, uh, event to the whole family. Uh, the whole family, um, you know, um, was was shaken. The marital um, issues, the family issues, of course, financial issues. Uh, it was really devastating. And then, um, Telfed were able to help uh, financially to support the family uh, for a few months to help them throughout this uh, terrible uh, crisis. And also, they were in touch with me as a social worker, both the husband and the wife, uh, to get some support, to vent, to get some advice, to get some guidance of what to do. Um, That was helpful. It took them, I think, a year and a half uh, to do a very long uh, rehabilitation process. And now, eventually, he got back to his work. And, you know, they're starting their life again. That's amazing, and you were able to help them actually get on their feet yeah. again. It, it is. It's so, a what privilege. did it mean to you? It is a privilege. It's just a privilege. It's just you know to be able to be there, to be able to say the right words, to be able to give a helping hand, or just to listen. Um, that's that means the world to me. I mean, this is my sense of of, of meaning. And I think that what you've just said is so important to actually be heard. You know, that they were able to vent. Exactly. To to talk to you, to know that someone was listening and is there to actually hear. And uh, that's that's absolutely amazing. Yes, there are a lot of uh, other examples. Um, Even just um, uh, uh, lone soldiers, you know, it's it's just another um, part of the community that we're trying to help out. Because they're here alone, uh, with no family, no other support. And this sense of community that we spoke uh, of earlier is very, very important and meaningful. So we've had few lone, lone soldiers that we were in touch with, um, that were they were you know in difficulty when they were alone. But they reached out to Telfed and we were able to help them, both financially and, and sometimes, you know, one case... Uh, of of a young a soldier whose mother passed away very suddenly in South Africa, and she was in a very emotional turmoil, and it was you know not close 
not close to Ranana, so she wasn't able to be in touch with me directly. But we arranged her a therapy, you know, that she can she can get some weekly therapy to go through this emotional um, period. And in addition to that, uh, we arranged her uh, a family that can host her in the city that she's uh, living. And that's, you know, that's amazing. It's, Absolutely it's like, fantastic. It's like touching someone's life and just helping them. It's, they're not alone. And knowing that actually they, in turn, will give back to this country. Definitely. Which Definitely. is amazing. Definitely. You know, Albert Schweitzer said that, uh, and I actually wrote it down, sometimes our light goes out, but it's blown into flame by another human being. Each of us uh, owes deepest thanks to those who have kindled this light. And I think that's what both of you are actually mm-hmm. doing in people who are making Aliyah. Are, is, it's reaching out, touching other people's lives, and in turn having your lives touched. Definitely. Which well, I think is, is quite amazing, quite honestly. Wonderful work that you're both doing. Would you like to say anything? We are are running out of time. But, Daniela, I see you ra- looking at your <laughs> notes there and you've got something to say, so please say it. Well, no, I just have, uh, you know, examples of people. And there's so many different ways that we can help, whether it's, you know, uh, an, an Ola who came here and she was pregnant and there was a mix-up at the airport and she wasn't able to get her papers, but she needed to see a doctor and first she needed to that who to get into to get the medical care and we're able to connect her with a government official who helped her sort it out to, you know, a lone soldier who was, uh, um, came here by herself and is doing very well on the program. And we actually went to visit her and other group of lone soldiers and treat them to pizza and spoil them a little bit and see how they're doing and let them know that also after the army we're here as well, not just before, when they're going to be looking for a job, when they're going to be uh, um, uh, looking for, you know, how to um, uh, find housing, uh, uh, when they want to study, that we can help them with scholarships and those kind of things. Um, and also uh, I had someone come on a pilot trip who was thinking of making Aliyah and becoming a lone soldier and I was able to connect the two. So she was able to speak with someone who was already doing it so she could get encouragement of how it works and that she will be able to be successful as well. Um, you know, it's just very gratifying for us knowing that we can help people and we can, you know, let them know that they're not alone. Wonderful. You know, um, I remember reading a bumper sticker and it said, to reach out is actually to reach in and to heal ourselves. So we often, you know, we're we offering healing to someone else, but we are healing our own we souls as well. More. Very <laughs> definitely. So when I make Aliyah one day, will you mm. both be here to help me, please? God willing. <laughs> Absolutely. Be <laughs> sure to make a pilot trip. Give you I, w- all the I won't come as a, as a lone soldier. <laughs> <laughs> but just saying on one note, on the lone soldier note, I know a few uh, parents in South Africa who are just so grateful to Telfed for actually helping their children. They've said that it's almost like they've handed their baby over to be nurtured by and other parents and that and we definitely other parents feel the responsibility and mm-hmm. we want to make justice absolutely thank you both so much i'm You're sorry welcome. we've got to be cut this short but the program is only an hour and when i'm back in israel i would really like to speak to both of you again and actually get 
some more information Absolutely. from you. Absolutely. Please stay okay. Definitely. Great. Thank you so much. This is Sue Jackson from Israel, from Renana at the Telfed offices, and I'll be back again next week talking about Ochberg orphans also from Israel. Thank you very much. Bye. Have a good week. Shalom.